0: culture and welcome to uh, episode 91 um, it's that we're recording this the day after Labor day so um, t- took a little bit of a break for Labor day of sorts so and plus uh, my my schedule had to be readjusted I no longer have a car I had to sell the thing for scrap so now I'm walking to work and that's an adventure in and of itself.
1: Um, At least you're not too far from Walmart.
0: Now you you, you used to live in the fourplex behind me.
1: Mm-hmm. It's I walked to work a couple times. It wasn't too bad, actually. There were some times I actually enjoyed it when the weather was nice.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's it's going to be interesting this winter. That'll be for sure. But I'm I'm realizing that oh my goodness, I'm saving money each month by not having to worry about car insurance anymore. I'm like. <laughs> I'm like, whoa, that makes a difference. <laughs> so um but um that that'll allow me to do more stuff like maybe buy more games on my phone. Um which gaming's gonna kinda be a focus today, you know. Figured after a lot of serious stuff, you know, some more fun stuff is called for. And I thought about it. It's like, you know, gaming has been taken off on mobile platforms for a while. But, you know, console PC has been going strong still for quite a while. And I figured, you know, why not take a look, compare and contrast a little bit. We both picked a game. Originally, it was going to be two, but it was my fault. I, I was addicted to one game, and I kept focusing on
1: that. I couldn't think of another game, so (laughs) I had one game sitting in my head, and I've been playing this one for, or this series of games rather, for the last couple of weeks or so. And I didn't want to pick that one because it's just it's been oversaturated. So I picked the other one that I picked.
0: And you you picked Bioshock. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, well, Bioshock primarily the first game, but I kind of want to look at the whole series just because you can't look at Bioshock without looking at Bioshock Infinite.
0: And and I picked WWE Mortals because I'm a WWE fan. Um, even after the whole scandal, quote-unquote, regarding Hulk Hogan, which uh, the whole reaction to that's been kind of ridiculous, in my opinion, but whatever. <laughs> it's still a fun game to play. And it's one of the few mobile games, I think, you know that we're actually done right I'm sure there were bugs in the beginning there's still bugs in it now <laughs> to be honest but um, but yeah um, both both games are kind of fun and both have their you know strengths and weaknesses for certain things um, but starting off first for those who aren't familiar with Bioshock what what is the game about? Brief synopsis, storyline, how you're supposed to play, and all of that.
1: Okay. Well, um, I I think I'll just stick to the original Bioshock for this, and then I can kind of slide into Bioshock Infinite if I find a way to. Anyway, the original Bioshock game is set in an alternate reality of a 1960 underwater city called Rapture, and when you are placed into the beginning, the beginning of the game. You're on an airplane, and what it doesn't tell you is that you actually hijack this airplane and cause it to crash into the ocean next to a lighthouse. And lighthouses, not necessarily in the first game, but in the infinite, kind of tie into the story much, much more. In the first one, it's just there's a random lighthouse in the middle of the ocean on some island, (laughs) Like, there's no land anywhere else that you can see. But anyway, you go in there and you hop into this contraption. And if you're not familiar with Bioshock, it's a steampunky tech kind of game where you go into this machine that's called a bathysphere, which is uh, modeled after an actual object that a researcher and marine biologist created. And it basically dumps you into the into the ocean down into this underwater city. Um, and then the, the, the game itself takes place after rapture has kind of gone into its own state of kind of civil war and it's post civil war destruction and all kinds of other stuff. You see leaking walls because the walls are glass. You can see outside and see in the ocean and stuff. And you see these big monstrous creatures floating around with like, uh, if you've ever seen Scooby-Doo or anything like that, um, one of the uh, main villains has this old like, 1920 30s-style scuba diver helmet that's a giant iron thing with bars on the front. Um, those are also in Bioshock, and they're called Big Daddies, and they play a big role in the game as well, and a big, big role in the story. Anyway, so you start off, and you, you get into this world the first weapon that you get is a wrench. <laughs> so you get melee off the bat and the gameplay of the game. I love it because it's, it's dynamic and you have multiple different ways to really build your character up. Now your wrench, you don't get any other, any other melee weapons. You only have the wrench, but you can customize the way that the wrench works. And you also have these things called, um, plasmids which uh, take let's see what's it called this uh, genetic material called atom which is an acronym I forgot what it stands for but it you inject it into yourself and then you can take these plasmids which have the atom in it and modifies your genetic code to where you can like say shoot a fireball out of your hand or sh- uh, shoot a lightning bolt and electrocute pools of water to destroy or stun multiple enemies in a field. Um, You can also, let me see here. I'm trying to remember some of the other ones from the first game. There's the, anyway, there's a bunch of other ones, and you can use those in combination with your melee. Like, literally, you can just shoot it and then go up and hit them with your wrench. Um, or you can you also have different types of uh, projectile based weapons the only the only melee weapon is the wrench like i said earlier but you've got like a shotgun you've got uh, a pistol and then various other different types of weapons that do different things and you can upgrade each type to upgrade the damage the clip capacity for how much ammo that you have and then you can also upgrade like your armor how much health you have and stuff like that and it's Ultimately customizable, so you have that role playing aspect, but you also have that really heavy story driven style of gameplay that was introduced with games like Half Life and uh, um, uh, like all of the Elder Scrolls series. So I also really heavily debated on whether or not I wanted to go with Bioshock or go with the Elder Scrolls series, leaning heavily on Skyrim. that's that's a whole nother universe that we could talk about another day
0: um and both of these are more of a first person type of thing right
1: yes yes it's from a first person's perspective so the melee aspect is kind of weird but once you get used to it it actually becomes very 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 helpful and like i was talking about earlier like you can change the way that the wrench works you can augment it to where it's when you hit someone it sets them on fire So it does more damage over time, or you can set it up to where you hit them and it freezes them solid. So then you can hit them again and do extra damage. So that's the, that's the way I always played it. You'd, you'd hit them. So you do some damage there, the set amount of damage that the wrench always does. And then you hit them again, which causes that extra melee damage. So you got two hits and then the explosion from the ice, which additionally damages them. So that, that was my favorite. And
0: and like, like my counterpart here, you have custom you you don't have multiple characters, but you do have customization of extra gear and things like that. And um and you can increase the abilities of you know of yourself as the player by customizing your weapons and Everything else. So that's pretty cool. And there's also strategy involved too. How do the controls handle? Like is it very it can can it be very challenging with the camera angles or
1: the camera angles are all controlled by well in in my case I played it on the PC, but you can also play it on on the Xbox and if I wanted I could actually play with an Xbox controller on my PC because i get got this link. I've actually got a wireless module attached to the back of the controller, or computer, sorry. If these batteries would actually stay charged, I could just theoretically just do this and play Bioshock that way. But I prefer the mouse and the keyboard, especially from a first-person perspective because you have so much more control with the mouse. And when it comes to the camera angles and stuff like that, you can... You can either move the camera very, very, very slowly, which would take varying amounts of pressure to uh, accomplish with a controller, or you just move the mouse less. I mean, you're still applying pressure, but it feels much more natural with a mouse rather than a joystick. Um, and then the keyboard keys, for me, it felt fairly natural because a lot of the games incorporate some of the same, um, same uh key bindings for certain things, like the movement keys are always the W, A, S, D. W for up, S for back, uh, A for left, and then D for right. So, And that's, that's a standard pattern for almost any game, even if it's first or third person, when you're controlling one specific player. Um, on a controller, I haven't messed with it, so I don't know how fluid it is on a controller. I'd imagine it's not too much different.
0: Well, um, the game that I, the game that I chose, you know, WWE mortals, um, multiple entities put it out. Um, it's mainly a product of Warner brother games, Warner brothers and varying other studios that put it together and all that uses the unreal 3d engine, which is pretty cool. um,
1: one funny, interesting note is that the um, uh, Bioshock series all used the Unreal 3D engine as well. It's probably a different version, but
0: and in this game, it's not your typical you know mash em up fighting game. Um, this is actually built for touch. Although I will say that I I did try it on my tablet once. Um, you're you'll get. I found better response time on a smartphone, even one with a screen as big as this, as opposed to a tablet, because this you can hold almost like a controller because you can tap for your basic quick attacks. You can swipe for your stronger attacks, though it may be a bit of a delay, but you can also simultaneously touch the screen with two fingers to block attacks and that takes some reflexes and timing and certain signature moves, quick swiping for added damage or tapping really hard in a specific spot for additional damage or timed, a timed tap where everything has to be right in the middle of a bullseye just to increase your damage. Um, it's one of the few games I've found where the touch controls make sense and and once learned is not quite as challenging as say you know porting an entire you know game, like say a Final Fantasy series game to the Android platform or iOS platform where you where it can be challenging just to move your character around, even though it's somewhat intuitive and you're selecting menus. Or you're playing an emulator where the controller is on screen. Let me tell you, that's kind of a pain in the ass. <laughs> it's, but it's it's interesting. It's it's sort of like Pokemon that you can collect characters that are different themed. You have anything from a, a kingly Macho Man Randy Savage dressed up in the whole royal regalia with a crown and. And I think his other counterpart that wears a cowboy hat, both of them have like little rainbows that fly as he does his attacks, rainbow sparkly colors, which flamboyant, but that's his personality to a point. (laughs) And a centurion Roman reigns to, you know, Brock Lesnar, they call beast incarnate because, you know, it's literally molten on the inside of him and his veins and everything else. It's weird <laughs> to to a uh, to a necromancer themed Undertaker, um, to a um, let me think, you know, a viper themed Randy Orton where it's scaly and everything else and he can poison you. To it's just all kinds of weird awesome characters um there's also the whole voodoo dr bray wyatt or the mad scientist bray wyatt it's it's kind of it's really really it's kind of fun there are online events there are and there are special challenge events where you can obtain rare characters through that um so it's it's very interesting and The higher up you get on the leaderboards, the more challenging your opponents are during the tournaments. And it's not real time because there's no way in hell that would actually work out. That would be too much bandwidth to pull off. Basically, your characters are used in an online tournament, but it's the the CPU of the game that basically uses those characters as the team. So the higher level your characters are which you can obtain normal levels through experience rpg element if you purchase or obtain duplicate cards of that same character you can use the duplicate card to boost their stats all the way up to legendary 7 so that's another way to customize them but you can also molt you can also build better gear for them and it can be anything from a dagger to a briefcase to, to an adventurer's cape, to a superhero mask, to face paint. <laughs> Funnily enough, it doesn't change the appearance of the character. It just alters their stats, but it, it's it's interesting. Um, it's kind of fun, and it's you know one of those things where each fight, it takes stamina away from the characters on your team, and when it reaches below the amount required for a fight – you either have to wait for them to recharge, use a recharging, you know, thing, or buy more stamina. They have a free recharge where you have to watch a thirty-second ad as well. And there's a, still a bug with that, by the way, because it's supposed to work in the sense that once you go through the cycle of ads and it says "come back more, for more later," it's not supposed to recharge your characters anymore. It still does. I imagine they'll eventually fix that with a future update. But for now, I'm like, like, this is why people are playing all day and are able to level their characters up infinitely. Um, (laughs) uh, But, um, and, and unfortunately, you know, according to their, to the WB games community forum for this part of, uh, for for Immortals. Um, they have a thing of reporting hackers and how you can help because there are people out there who have released utilities to basically alter your game saves to where you can have maxed out characters in the whole nine yards. Which... <laughs> so, and their automated system doesn't always catch them. So... <laughs> So it, it's I I play it the way it's meant to be played, and when I lose, I'm like, "Ah, damn it!" But um, overall, it's fun. Although I will say it's irritating when I hit the back button, the home button, or the or the the other button that lets you switch between apps on your phone, and I'm like, "Oh." and in my case at least if I'm, on, if I'm on a mobile network and my phone's been on too long sim card kind of gets a little bit wonky to where it says you you need you know you need a sim card for a proper sim card for you know access to mobile features blah 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 or some some such error 9 times out of 10 i either have to reboot my phone or sometimes just leave it off for a couple of minutes um, but but that can that can that that can screw with things a little bit. So, um, <laughs> but for the online features. But other than that, uh, I haven't had much problems. But like, how how difficult is it to hit the wrong button for the controls that you're used to? Because it's very. Uh. Easy. <laughs>
1: On a keyboard, um, to have the similar problems that you're mentioning, I'd say it's pretty difficult. Um, a lot of games, depending on the developer and depending on the publisher, um, a lot of games will actually disable the Windows key, so that way you can't hit that, and then it accidentally switches you to desktop and then goes <laughs> to the Start menu. A lot of a lot of game developers are pretty smart about handling that. Um, when it comes to like an Xbox controller. I usually don't find myself slipping up and hitting the um, the X in the center. So I don't even do that on my PS4 uh, because a controller just feels natural. I mean, I grew up with controllers on the NES and the SNES and stuff like that. So I'm, I'm used to a controller and just the way a controller feels. And now that I've grown up also, also with a keyboard, It just feels even more natural because then you can space your hands out. You can have your hands, I mean, I'm pulling mine together right now, but you can have your hands spread apart, farther apart than your shoulders, be very, very comfortable, and then control everything. And with a large enough monitor for your PC, you can just see, and also with a very big graphics card, cranking up the graphics kind of help immerse yourself into the game so that way you feel like you have a little bit better sense of control and the way things are going. But I do find myself messing up, depending on what game it is. And in Bioshock, I remember switching between weapons way too many times, especially (laughs) because of the implementation. You would have to use the scroll wheel on the mouse, or you could use the number keys on the numpad. But that's a little bit out of the way when you have your keys or your your left hand set up like it's supposed to be. And I'll pull this up just because... This is how I set it up, and I'm assuming this is how most people set it up, too. If you see my keyboard here, you see the space bar, and you see this, uh, the left shift, because this is the left side of the keyboard that I'm holding up. And then the WASD keys are... Uh, let me see. That's, that's F right here. <laughs> I thought I could figure it out without doing that. Anyway... You have your left pinky here, your index finger, middle finger, and ring finger on these three keys, the W, uh, A, and S or D keys, and then your thumb is on the space bar. So your hand is naturally spread out like this, so you can hit each key individually. And then you can hit the R key. A lot of times it's reload. Uh, Q sometimes is switching buttons. E key can can be sw- or switching buttons switching weapons the key can also be switching weapons but it also depends highly on the game so either way that's just the natural placement of your hand when you're playing a lot of pc based games
0: and and on and on a and on a mobile device it, your hands may be a bit cramped at times too even on a controller you you might you know suffer some carpal tunnel if if you don't take a break frequently. Um, And and I will say, even though the game I play is well made for mobile, it works better on a smartphone than a tablet because I've found it to be more responsive on a phone than on a bigger screen tablet for whatever reason. Then Then again, I kind of have a clunker for a tablet, so that could be part of the problem right there.
1: I was going to say it may be due to the hardware because it's. I don't think your tablet's necessarily a clunker, but it's definitely not high end. And your phone, I don't think your phone's necessarily. It's probably closer to mainstream, but it's not high end either. But it's going to be. A, I think it would be able to run it better than your tablet would.
0: Yeah, yeah. Because uh, this thing, this thing surprises me. The, it's a it's a ZTE variant. It's the lever. LTE, but um, the ZMAX, you know, that Family Mobile offers is slightly better specs in terms of processing power, but both have two gigabytes of RAM in them um, and everything else. But, um, you know, the, the, you know, frame rates is going to clearly be a difference, you know, optimizations aside. It's like, on desktop PC, other than, you know, messing with APIs. And in Steam's case, their compatibility layer for Steam Play, um, where DirectX is kind of, you know, temporarily kind of converted to OpenGL of sorts when running on a Linux-based platform. it's They're using a compatibility layer to pull that off. It's otherwise native.
1: It, well, that that also highly depends on the game because some games, even in Windows, will actually run an OpenGL because that's the way they were developed. Right. Um, in the case of Machine Games uh, made the newest Wolfenstein, which they actually came out with a, another offshoot, which I haven't bought yet, which I need to. <laughs> um, it actually runs an OpenGL, which I was surprised because a lot of developers stick to DirectX because it's. There's more availability for resources um, to help the developers, and OpenGL can be kind of complicated and especially annoying when it comes to uh, version differences. Right. When it comes to DirectX, a lot of developers stick to one specific version, and then you get all these these features packed into that version as compared to OpenGL, which is more incremental when it comes to uh, version changes and features and upgrades.
0: Cause like you know I learned you know cause like Maximum PC podcast that I an episode that I listened to they mentioned like Steam boxes and things like that and one of the things that they had brought up was it was a you know it's a compatibility layer that is used to convert in other words the equivalent you know a DirectX call is made in the game. It searches for the OpenGL equivalent and uses that, which could, you know, might imply a you know slight performance penalty to a point. But it's at least running on that platform.
1: It would also depend on the implementation for that performance hit. But um, from a high level perspective, I could see where that performance penalty would take place um, if if you were setting up the. Way that the search is done for each draw call or for each DirectX specific call, um, if you set that up to where they're done in batches, where they can be sent and brought back, and then uh, oh, the OpenGL code gets executed as more stuff is being searched in like another thread in the background or something. It would that would. Be like some sort of an optimization that would increase the performance theoretically of the game.
0: Okay, but other than that, it's more of a native thing. Whereas you know, on well, in iOS too, it's more native because they they require Apple requires it. Uh, Android, it's it's basically you know you're running instead of a it's a virtual machine language that you're using it you know variation of Java essentially so
1: it also uses openGL the difference primarily between Android and iOS is going to be the openGL version because iOS is highly dependent on the iOS version and then uh, depending on which Android version it didn't necessarily change with each numerical Increase like from Ice Cream Sandwich, which is 4.0, to Android 5.0. Yes, there was a major change, but there were also in some of the incremental updates for Ice Cream Sandwich, which went from 4.0 and 4.1, and then Jelly Bean came out with 4.2, if I'm not mistaken. The OpenGL version also changed. Right. So, and it, it depends on those incremental updates to each of those versions of Android.
0: But, you know, touching the GPU aside you know there's some you know there's some programming considerations but there's also you know mechanics considerations the wrong thing being hit by <laughs> by accident i think on the iphone it's a lot more difficult to just hit the home button on accident because it's you have to literally press down on the thing intently to well go back to the home screen whereas on a phone like this, it's touch-based for the three touch-capacitive areas for back, home, and task switching. And that that can be a real pain real quickly.
1: I have the same problem with my phone because I've got these uh, touch-capacitive buttons at the very bottom. You can see the back, home, and the menu switching right here. Right. Um, my old phone, my Sony phone, actually had those buttons on the screen. So the way Android handles that when it's um, a phone in that like that, or like the Nexus Six, the Nexus Five, or any of the Nexus phones for that matter, or the Nexus tablets, they don't have physical buttons. They don't have the touch screen, uh, touch capacitive buttons at the bottom. You actually have to swipe up from the bottom or swipe up from the swipe down from the top on the screen to make those buttons appear. So then. In that case, you're not gonna be having those issues of hitting the back button or hitting the home button, <laughs> switching switching to another app. So it's it it's actually that is the fault of the phone manufacturer, not necessarily the developer. But it's or the and, Android platform.
0: And but it's it, it's still a challenge depending on your device, or it can be. Um, at least for me, I don't always pay attention. I'm like, oh, did I hit the home button again? <laughs> and then I have to wait for it to load and load, and then resume fight. Yes, please. And and that could have messed up a special attack I was setting up. And I'm like, ah. Oh. <laughs> it's just it, it's it's interesting. In that, you know, there's reason I'm you know I wrote in the show notes you know optimizations aside because there's some there's some minor differences. You're you're going to have different hardware, so you're going to have different frame rates
1: too. Does um, does that game have some sort of a pause or zoom feature in the middle of like a fight or whatever you're doing?
0: Um, if you switch, it'll temporarily pause you. Mm -hmm. to where if you switch back real quickly it'll pop up the menu and you can just hit resume Um, I don't want to chance it in an online event though because I'm assuming
1: it'll kick you out after a while it would probably disconnect you after a certain period of time and then for a lot of, the way a lot of multiplayer online based games are handled, you can't pause, there's no such thing as a pause if you stop moving or something like that or AFK which is a pc thing away from keyboard you'll get kicked off or killed or whatever happens in the game
0: because like when you, when you're away and you go back for to the online thing it'll say your team was attacked and it's in this case because i i know that this isn't real time because if it was real time i'd be getting my ass kicked all over the place um for starters and two um it would take much more bandwidth and computing power on part of servers than they would deem necessary. What they do is they, you know, depend, you know, your team can be taken and used by the AI as the opposing team. So, so if all your characters are maxed out and they're really, really high, you've got a chance that they're going to successfully be defend themselves against an attack. Um, my 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 defenses while I'm away seldom ever work, so uh, I just keep building up, you know, renown, which is basically kind of your score for an event. And if you get into the top so much percent, your prizes get better and better. But um, it, you have to be like really, really high up just to get a character that's offered through that through a tournament so and I know that that's that's not going to happen and if you're not focused on that you're focused on a special challenge event and I haven't even played through the you know offline stages all of them I, I still need to do that <laughs> uh, but um, it, it they've got elements that will keep you busy and if you want to keep playing hardcore you know they make it compelling to spend money which uh, not everybody may be a fan of that because, like other games, even now for consoles and PCs, there's downloadable content or DLC. On mobile, there's a good chance you're going to wind up paying for it more often than not. So, um, and and it's just digital content; it's not even anything tangible, which some people don't like and others don't mind. Um, Like, What's your view on that? Do you think it's good, bad, or are you indifferent on that?
1: I'm kind of sort of indifferent on it. Um, From my perspective from from, from PC, um, depending on the game, downloadable content can usually add a little extra to the storyline or sometimes give you more weapons or something like that. Sometimes it's free. The trend I've been seeing on like the mobile um, mobile space is that you almost always have to pay for the extra crap that you want. <laughs> or it's just or it's, it's these um, how did my friend put it? Microtransactions that just bite you in the butt. and You end up paying a lot for practically nothing. So, I mean I see the disadvantages and advantages of each um, approach, but Overall, I'm kind of indifferent.
0: Like, I've been guilty of buying more immortal credits, which is used to, can be used to buy additional characters, enhancements, and what have you, and and additional stamina and and all of that. (laughs) (laughs) Although I've backed off on that just as soon as I did it, because I'm like, well, you know it might be more fun just to spend time playing it and killing time than anything else it's um <laughs> but uh, it's it, yeah they they get you it, whether it's bubble witch saga or what i'm playing now um as it as things go get more and more difficult it becomes more and more tempting to spend money just so you can keep playing which is what what they have in mind so
1: or it's the exact way that the games like that, especially in the mobile mobile space, are designed, so that way it coaxes you into Oh, I'll just do it just this once. I just want to get this one little thing and then later on you're like, damn it, I really need this and Oh, it's not that expensive. Why don't I just go ahead and get it? And then later on you're like, Oh shit, I'm out of ammo. I need a reload pack. So I mean, it's just it adds up because you you come into these situations where you're like and they force you into these situations too. They know exactly what they're doing. They force you into the situation and you're like oh shit my weapon broke. I need a new one. So it's just that's just the way it is. Unfortunately,
0: and and, and, and one of our co-hosts he's really really not fond of the mobile gaming arena for that very
1: reason.
0: <laughs> um. I don't remember what Curtis referred to it as. Um I'd have to pull it up on my on my profile just to see what he said because I can't remember honestly. Um, but I, I asked people, you know, which games you play for Marvel and I got various answers. Some of them some of them didn't surprise me. Others kind of took me aback, and I, I'm going to have to keep scrolling until I find it because it's been a while. Um, but yeah, he he just—it's <laughs> especially the microtransactions that he has, you know, an issue with, and I can understand why because you're getting nickel and dime to death on these things, and. I think he used the word hell in it. I just... <laughs> uh, somewhere it's here. This is... Uh, s- as I scroll past the person who robbed a bank within blocks of a police station. I still can't believe that that. That, that took... That took some balls, although when they get caught, they're going to regret it. Okay, here we are. <laughs> um, let's see. Okay, I don't mobile game. It's a cancer that I refuse to support. Yes, I'm looking at you. Hashtag fuck, fuck Anami. <laughs> I think Konami sees mobile gaming as the future. It's a he. He says, and quote." It's a cancer that is destroying companies and sucking money out of the players' pockets for things that are not worth it.
1: (laughs) Which I think I remember seeing that.
0: (laughs) Which you know, it's kind of, it's kind of touch and go. I can, I can, you know, it's one of the things I don't mind, but at the same time, I can see why somebody else is saying that because. it's a vacuum for
1: your wallet
0: you know it's just you know
1: it's it's the same basic concept behind what steam does every quarter and for those of you that aren't familiar with valve or their company in general they have this platform called steam we talked about it multiple times and in fact it was on the first um, episode of the podcast correct yeah,
0: it was on our pilot episode that we mentioned that, uh, and I don't have it installed on this system, on this install of a uh, Ubuntu Mate edition, but but it's installed on the other partition. But um, yeah, it was we mentioned it because they had just started. Steam the, yeah, they they were. I think they were still in. Kind of, sort of in beta to a point. Still, they were still kind of in the experimental phases of sorts. And
1: I was invited to the beta for Steam for Linux. I really enjoyed that.
0: Um, really and
1: pissed off one of my coworkers too. Uh,
0: uh, <laughs> but um, but yeah, and it turned when we, you know, and Steve Steve Kelly was like, you know, oh, looks like you know he recognized some of the games that were available. It's like those are some good indie indie games that are on here and now you're having triple a titles that you know it's like that's pretty cool um yeah just
1: like just like we were talking i was talking about earlier uh bioshock series bioshock infinite is available not just on console but it's also available on pc mac and linux so now and that's that's a big name developer that was irrational games which are the uh Publisher behind them is 2K Games. They're the same company that makes, um, let me think here, all of the 2K um, sport games. So, like, you're, you got your 2K14, 2K15, 2K16 for, like, baseball, <laughs> basketball, I mean, any sport you can think of, with the exception of Madden, which is an EA thing. Um, WWE? I don't remember if they're the ones behind that. I think they might be. But they, they've done so many games, and they've also done some racing games. I think they're the ones behind um, the F1 Formula series of games. I may be wrong on that one, so don't quote me on that. But they're a really big-name developer. They, they're also behind uh, the Borderlands series. 2K Games is the publisher behind that. I forgot who the developer was. Um but there's so many they there's just one of the big big name companies that compete with people like uh, Bethesda Bethesda Game Studios um Machine Games Valve is Valve makes 99% of their money from Steam <laughs> so they don't have to worry about that but they're agreeing well, with you yeah. Back to my original point I um, was talking about how Steam every quarter has this thing that's very similar to these microtransactions in the mobile space. Um, every quarter, they'll have a sale. So like they have during the summer, they have a summer sale. During the winter, they have the winter sale, the fall and spring sales. And then sometimes here and there, they'll have some flash sales and stuff like that. But the, the big sales every quarter, every three months are huge for Steam and Bad for my wallet, <laughs> very bad for my wallet. I have currently, if I open up Steam real quick, I have. Where's my number at? 160 games on Steam, <laughs> only 43 of which are installed on this PC. <laughs> oh and my! That's not including that. That's that's partially due to the Humble Bundle, which is a a very very good uh, program that allows. Uh, those who love games and stuff like that and publishers work with them to provide charity to various organizations um, they've donated some children's organizations um, some hospitals and stuff like that usually pretty big name things that are going on and it's it's wonderful you can you can donate however much money you want you can donate as minimum uh, the minimum amount of as low as a dollar or up to like specific amounts to unlock more games in this giant pack of games that you get. And usually they'll have like, you have to donate more than X amount, which is the average. And then, or you can donate an extra so so much like $10, $10 total, not an extra amount to unlock the rest of the games. And usually it comes with soundtracks and a bunch of other stuff. And then they've also, now they've expanded their thing to where they have a humble mobile bundle. So you can buy games for Android and iOS. Um, or you can buy games for the origin platform, not just Steam. They have both. You can also buy uh, books, audio books, um, movies, comic books. They've, they've expanded to where they include a lot of things. And that's a really, really good program. But they've also stolen a lot of my money by my hands. <laughs> so it's not stealing. I get into them. So it's just burning a giant hole in my wallet. <laughs> really don't want to know how much I've actually spent on video games.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, right, right now, I, I just. A, a, as soon as Final Fantasy VII is released for Android, because they actually did a port for iOS, and I'm like, why did you d- Square know why? Uh, and you're hoping someday they'll actually have it for Android and I'll, I'll snatch it up right away. Cause I never did finish playing that game, but
1: I'd I still also haven't finished playing it either.
0: <laughs> I'd be curious if they actually had the, you know, actual music and not the midiized version of it. Um, cause that, that, I'm sorry. That shit's awful.
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs> you're like
0: you're like. Oh my god! Even with the Yamaha software synthesizer, it's just not the same. <laughs> um, hell, you can use you know hell. I I, I could could have had it done using WinGroove's software synthesizer, and it's just not the same. And And all that, so it's just I don't know, and and no, I wouldn't pay for it at this point because, frankly, I don't think that piece of software has been maintained in years. So, but that's my opinion on that one. Um, a, a software synthesizer is one that you know plays back MIDI, you know, music, but it actually. Does it in such a way that you know it doesn't necessarily have a, it doesn't use the little MIDI part of your software volume thing it goes to the wave out function in other words you know it's kind of an emulated sound device on your computer in this case so that's how they were able to achieve very high quality but it hasn't been maintained in years and I, I don't think yamaha has a software synthesizer anymore i don't i don't think they've released anything like that in years i could be wrong
1: i honestly wouldn't know i don't mess with that sort of software for sound
0: and and on, and honestly the, the microsoft Wave wavetable synthesis thing i'm sorry it it sounds like shit <laughs> Midis, Midis. I, I used to be a big fan of Midis because you could stick several of them on a floppy disk, and now I'm like, now I'm like, I'm sorry, th- th- this is 2015. Let's let's use real instruments, because <laughs> because even even a small thing like this can can play some really decent sounding music, even if it. Even if it only currently comes out of one speaker, I think my other speaker's burnt out or something. I don't know.
1: Sound controllers, especially integrated sound controllers, have really evolved in the last, like, five to ten years. Originally, you couldn't find a high-quality sound controller on, like, a PC motherboard at all. Like, you had to buy an external card. My gaming PC, which I'm using currently right now, actually has creative audio on board support for seven point one channel surround. So I mean I can I got all these bells and whistles and tools at my disposal and right now I'm using a gaming headset that just goes in through USB <laughs> because it's got a powerful enough controller along with the software to just take care of everything else. But I do have that power of a dedicated sound card built in on my motherboard. And it's just it's absolutely crazy what's what's in technology nowadays
0: yeah um i i remember you know i i remember the first portable computer i've ever owned which was an h p pavilion n fifty three ten which had an e s s allegro audio controller on the motherboard and from what i've been told e s s allegro is the biggest piece of shit of audio in existence, <laughs> I didn't have too much problems with it, unless I cranked the audio too loud, and then crack, snap, crackle, pop in the speakers. But then again, it was it was a notebook; it wasn't going to have great sound in the first place. And and then and then they updated all the stuff, and things started getting better and better. So, but yeah, it's hell, the Raspberry Pi puts out very, very good sound through HDMI, so... <laughs> Although I wouldn't crank the volume up too loud. But... But, uh... Cause, well, because TV speakers can only do so much, but... But, um like you you mentioned the biggest difference between mobile gaming and just you know your stationary type of gaming with on a console or on a pc and that touchscreen was kind of limiting, which I actually agree with
1: yeah the and coming from a pc gaming perspective you've got this giant ass keyboard <laughs> in this case i've got a gaming keyboard at my disposal where not only do I have this standard Let me think, 109 plus however many number keys for the number pad plus an additional five keys on the side, which are macro keys, which with this keyboard I can program on the fly. So if I'm in the middle of playing Warcraft, I can hit a button on here somewhere, hit my function key, hit my record macro button and then start recording a macro, macro, and then hit it again, and then I save it to one of these buttons, hit that button, and it'll perform the macro. On the fly, right then and there, I can do that. So this gaming keyboard is badass. But um, I have so much more control with having all these different keys at my disposal, along with a mouse, which I have a left-click and a right-click, the middle-button click, and then if I had a gaming mouse... My old gaming mouse had a uh, twelve number pad on the side. It's an MMO, it was an MMO gaming mouse, which I could use for Warcraft instead of switching from my movement keys to hit up on the number number keys in the row above the key, uh, QWERTY keys. I could just tap it on the mouse while I'm clicking and beating the crap out of something. So it was super handy for uh, like World of Warcraft and then League of Legends. Mm-hmm.
0: In, in a touchscreen, you only have two points of touch and control at a time. So if you try to do three things at once, it's not going to happen. <laughs> it won't recognize
1: The, the only time you would ever have that extra added benefit of being able to f- you fully utilize a 10-point capacitive touchscreen, which is normally not found on a, a mobile phone. So, I mean, some high-end phones have it just by default, but you're not really going to be able to utilize that much without having that additional space of an actual like tablet size screen. And Normally to do that, if you want to use all 10 fingers, rather eight fingers and two thumbs, you'd have to have your tablet sitting on a table or something, which most people have it held in hand facing your face. <laughs> and you usually use your thumbs because the natural feel of a, of a controller is just especially the 360 controller is great for this. Um PlayStation was or the PlayStation controller was before it's time and at that time it was it was a good design but this is better. GameCube controller is still kind of crazy and wicked but it's all kinds of different ways of using it. This just sits in your hand naturally. It really does. You wrap your uh, middle finger, ring finger, and pinky around the two handles down here on the bottom. Then you've got the controllers up here and bumpers, and then you've got your thumb, two thumbs on the two joysticks, ready to move around the camera with this one and move with this one. So that way, and then you've got your buttons here, the D-pad here, and it's just, it just feels natural. So Microsoft did, did a good job with the 360 controller, and the Xbox One controller just kind of adds on to that. It doesn't really change the design, other than making it slightly larger. I've I've noticed other
0: than the original Xbox, they actually get tend to get hardware right. The original Xbox, there and, and well, okay, so the first generation of the 360s, they kind of screwed up on with the red ring of death. Um, they they had a bad habit of cheaping out on their hardware too much, which is why they were running into so many problems. Um, there was one of the one of the Elder Scrolls games, can't remember which one, on the original Xbox. If you had too many spells, your game would lock up. It was a RAM problem. <laughs> and modding it with more RAM solved that problem. Um, nowadays, I notice they're actually using halfway decent hardware now instead of trying to cheap out on all their components.
1: <laughs> well, and the one thing... The the three sixty did better than the PS3. And the PS3 just kind of fell on its on its face because of the the third generation flop, which has kind of been known to happen for every every console maker. Um the the Xbox it was a little bit lacking in terms of hardware. But the PS3's hardware was kind of above and beyond for its time. It wasn't really – there was no way to take advantage of that hardware because the the 360 had a PowerPC-based triple-core processor with a uh, 256 megabytes of dedicated video memory and I think the same amount for RAM, maybe five hundred megabytes. The PS3, on the other hand, I think had the same amount of memory – the graphics processing unit was stronger, and then the processor it uses, used was a joint venture between IBM and either Motorola and Intel. I can't remember. Anyway, they called it the IBM... Uh, it was the Cell. Cell. That's I was trying to call it Core. I don't know why. The IBM uh, Cell processor. It was an 8-core processor. Basically seven standard cores for all your normal processors and then one was actually dedicated for a backup background processor to do all the other normal OS tasks and everything else that happens behind the scenes of a video game. And then those other uh, cores were spread across for the actual game. So programming would have been uh, something that could have been benefited the PS3 a lot more than the Xbox, but developers were more concerned with cross platform unless it was then console exclusive. Right. And
0: and now the only people who are taking advantage of you know PS three are people who don't want to pay for a PS four or universities and research institutes that can actually utilize clusters of PS threes for supercomputing on the cheap. <laughs> Which kind of cool, but it, yeah, it kind of was ahead of its time. It was kind of the uh, Sega Dreamcast of its time. It was...
1: Which is also why the Dreamcast kind of flopped.
0: <laughs> cause, because, you know, they were... It, it could have been a good console. It just... Uh, I don't know what the hell happened there. It just... I think Sega, it was time for them to hang it up. And... And and I guess that's one of the, the one weakness of a console is that if, if it's time to go, it's time to go. Whereas with a desktop PC, a computer, or even a portable computer, um, it's it's still going to be there throughout generations, and you can still have games for it. And I think you know Steam is a prime reason of that prime example of that, and why they're developing their own operating system uh, based upon Debian, because they realize that at some point they're going to need an exit strategy. should you know being on Windows and OS ten prove to be you know fatal to their bottom line, they need an exit strategy of their own so that, they have a way of making money without either of them. I, you know, kind of noticed that. Um, I think it was kind of Windows eight that especially pushed them towards that. <laughs> that 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 was a disaster. Oh, but um, are you going to explore mobile gaming a little bit more? Because I, I'll definitely try to get back into desktop gaming at some point on a computer, but.
1: Well, when it comes to mobile gaming, I don't usually do too much on my phone. Um, I have been playing uh, Fallout Shelter a little bit on my phone just because I'm trying to get my little bit of dose of the Fallout universe waiting until Fallout 4 comes out in November. (laughs) So um, other than that, I'd probably stick to like handhelds. I've actually just gone back to my 3DS a while ago to play um, the remake of Pokemon Ruby and Sapphire. I have Alpha Sapphire just because I loved that when I was growing up. It was a 10-year-old game that they redid redid just this year, or last year, sorry. And Honestly, I think the way they did it was just absolutely amazing. So when it comes to that, I think I'll focus more on the handheld side rather than the mobile gaming side, but that's not to say that I won't. Play a game on my phone because there's going to be times when I get bored and I'm like, hey, that looks fun. Let's try that out. <laughs> so
0: right, and and uh, you know it's and to be fair, I was kind of unfair to handheld consoles in this episode. I, you know, they're they're the original mobile gaming uh, with the Game Boy and and the Game Gear and other consoles that came after that. Um, and you know the the quote unquote mobile gaming sector that has taken off on smartphones and tablets it's it's not quite original it's just it's just on a platform that allows for other types of stuff to run on it without necessarily modding the OS or whatever. So I. Um, I'll definitely check more mobile games out if if I feel the inclination to and if if I, if I feel that it's justified to take up more storage on my phone. <laughs> that cuz I'm kind of even now I'm kind of, you know, gotten picky on that. I'm like, I don't want to I don't want to eat all my storage up with that. Even though I know I have plenty, but you know, I'm kind of funny like that. But but yeah, i'm I'm looking, I'm looking forward to you know, the future of gaming in general because of all of this stuff. It's new possibilities. Um, now, if they find the happy medium of free gaming with minimal sucking money out of my wallet, <laughs> um, I think a lot of people would be happier. Because um, uh, right, right now, I, I don't know. It's, I don't quite know if it's gotten to the point of oversaturation to where people like you know what I'm tired of paying to upkeep a virtual farm I'm tired of paying just to get to some level of shooting bubble colored coronated bubbles together and and hoping to get to the next level um, and so, sort of thing like that Um because like for now, mobile's doing well, but mobile's got its limits. And unless they have the convergence down to where you can attach this to a larger display and get a full desktop experience, upon attaching it to a dock, I think the mobile gaming sector is at some point going to crash and burn badly.
1: To some some manufacturers have actually kind of baked that into some of their phones, like Motorola had one about four or five years ago that a lot of people used for modding the Raspberry Pi that came with an external display and you would ju- or a dock that you could hook up to an external, di- external display, which they also sold one with it, um, through like micro HDMI, which you can hook up to a phone and then play your games off your phone or play Netflix or whatever, whatever you plan on doing that. That's kind of not very widespread adoption for manufacturers just because it's not that the hardware is not capable. It's just an extra cost that manufacturers don't usually bake into a phone because most people aren't going to do something like that.
0: Right. And until that technology becomes, you know, more commonplace and, canonical with their phone platform they're trying to build and microsoft even they're both are trying to move more towards that to where you know you have one device that you take with you all the time and then when you you know when you're at your desk boom you you dock it in you have your full workstation you take it home you dock it in bam you have your home workstation or media station or whatever um I kind of see it going that direction otherwise again mobile gaming is going to kind of go you know kind of kaput without you know the further innovation in hardware cuz even now with the advances that's been made in the arm architecture and even Intel with their with their processor the the amount of you know updates they've done with their atom processors um there's still somewhat of a limit of what they're capable of in terms of, you know, fully replacing a, you know, bulky beige, you know, computer, you know, it's not quite there yet in that regard, but it it just kind of what I'm feeling is going to happen without, you know, certain something else happening, um, that sort of thing. So, and I'm not talking about the Sega Genesis style of let's have add-ons for the sake of add-ons and make it a pain in the ass just to get it to work properly. Oh, why are these pixels missing? Because you have to connect certain things correctly. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> huh. just, you know, not not that sort of thing, but you know, the sort of thing that makes sense to where it's flexible and you can take it wherever and everything else um i don't know but where do you see the future of gaming you think people are still going to stick with pc for a long long time and mobile kind of being its own niche for many years to come or
1: i'm more lenient to that than i am anything else but it's it's hard to say right now because the the way a lot of people uh well a lot of companies are kind of doing or looking more towards a convergence like you were talking about earlier of the different platforms and NVIDIA has what they call uh, the which was originally grid now it's NVIDIA game stream so if you have a gaming desktop with a NVIDIA graphics card in it and an NVIDIA shield tablet or I think you might be able to do it with other tablets but they only advertise with the shield Uh, you can stream your games to your tablet and then play it that way. Um, And then you can see that also with the way that Steam has also been doing There's If you have like a really low-power laptop or something like that, you can install Steam on it and then stream your game from uh, your actual gaming desktop. I did that for a while while my monitor fried. (laughs) But uh, I see that being more of a trend right now, and that might be where the gaming space is going that virtual reality, but it's hard to say.
0: (laughs) And streaming gaming, speaking of which we have, we now have, you know, YouTube's joined the fray of streaming your gaming experience to other people, which is an interesting concept. You know, you already have Twitch TV um, and others and that's, I think that's going to play a factor in it too, mobile or otherwise. Although I, I don't know, if, I don't quite know yet if, you know, if they're quite doing streaming of mobile gaming just yet. I don't think so quite yet, but I think it'll be interesting if people find a way to pull that off. Cause, <laughs> cause why not? <laughs> but, um, I'm I'm pretty sure people have found a way. Otherwise I wouldn't see um you know, recordings of people playing a game on their phone and and showing tutorials and such, but but I think it's gonna get very interesting for the gaming scene no matter what. Um maybe maybe we'll have the all-in-one device that can turn into a game console, that can turn into a mobile phone device, that can turn into a desktop workstation, all-in-one. Swiss Army knife of computing. I'm looking forward to that day.
1: <laughs> It'll and, be interesting.
0: And, and I, can, I can see it being called, you know, Swiss Army PC or something like that. <laughs> Where you where you literally just go switch in there? Oh, there's the HDMI port. <laughs> you know, so um, lots of fun stuff um, in future episodes. I think I think we can maybe choose you know another kind of game for something else and kind of compare contrast. Kind of the different styles and things like that, and I think I think having Curtis on again would probably be a good idea because you know I I do see the disillusionment of you know buy more of this for Farmville to improve your crops or either pay to keep going in the levels or, or recruit more of your Facebook friends um, (laughs) to, uh, to, um, you know, keep playing, which is why you suddenly find your friends creating profiles for their pets. (laughs) That that sort of thing. (laughs) So um, I think this has been a very, very fun episode. I just I got to talk about something I got addicted to. Um, No shame there. And are you going to be playing more Bioshock after this?
1: Uh, I don't know. I'm still stuck on Assassin's Creed at the moment, so I'm I'm going to have to finish that one.
0: Well, fair enough. Um, Entertain yourself, educate yourself, empower yourself. Um, The podcast this episode should be up next week um, after 9-11 um, I you know with it being so close to that I figured I have something fun as opposed to something negative because I think we kind of focus too much on that year after year after year after year um, it, it's it's been 14 years since that event I think we need to actually start healing and moving on by now so that's my way of doing it um so hopefully hopefully you're doing something you know wonderful and exciting for yourself and living life because life's too short but um we will see you next time see you guys later later